You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Introducing the Mike Moore Ministries mobile app, your gateway to spiritual inspiration and godly leadership. With a host of practical features, it's like having a personal spiritual guide in the palm of your hand. Watch and listen to the How to Win podcast, get exclusive early access to the Answers That Work broadcast before it airs on television, receive uplifting and thought-provoking nuggets, and stay up to date with Mike Moore's speaking engagements through an interactive calendar. To download, visit your device's app store and search Mike Moore Ministries. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm so happy to have you with us. I'm in my leadership edition of the How to Win. And listen, we are talking uh, from a blueprint of organizational leadership. And I have seven components that we're dealing with. We've talked about purpose. We've talked about vision. Uh, we've talked about values. And in our last two episodes, we began to talk about the fourth component, and that is strategy. And in our first two episodes, we defined what is strategy. We talked about the nature of strategy. We talked about strategic questions that you should ask. Now, listen, before I go to the next component, execution, I wanted to I wanted to do something uh, that I think would be helpful because the church that I pastored, I pastored a wonderful church, uh, Faith Chapel. We have two campuses, one in Birmingham uh, and then one in Columbus, Georgia. And our Columbus campus is 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 rec a recent campus, but in our first campus in Birmingham, we completed a sixteen million dollar debt free building project. And I wanted to just take the time. I know that there are pastors out there, uh, and others. Maybe you're in business, and you are uh, have a big vision, and you want to build and expand your ministry. So I thought it would be good since I was talking about strategy to end this, end this uh, portion on strategy, uh, talking about this $16 million debt-free building pro project. We completed a 3,000-seat sanctuary that cost $16 million dollars and we did it debt-free. I want to talk about seven keys to how we did it, seven keys to how we uh, did it. I think there are principles that will apply to anything, whether you're in business, whether you just an individual want to expand your vision, you're believing for resources, you're believing for money, uh, you, you intend to build uh, buildings and expand your ministry. I thought it would be good, and maybe something out of this will help you you to fulfill your dream. Seven keys to how we did it. How did we do it? The first key is a clear, number one, a clear God-given vision. A clear God-given 
vision. Jesus said in a parable in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? Verse 47, Luke 6, 47 says, whosoever comes to me, hear my sayings and does them, He's like a man who built a house. He dig deep and laid the foundation on the rock. So vision begins with God's mind. It has to be a God-given vision, and it needs to be clear. It needs to be clear for you, the visionary, and it be, needs to be clear for your followers. Our church at that time, uh, we had outgrown our, uh, our original campus and, and original facility, and we were thinking about building. I had no uh, thoughts of building a dome, never entered my mind. In fact, we were just going to build a conventional building. What At that time, they called Butler Buildings. We were going to build a gym and then use the gym on Sundays for our services. Now, uh, I was walking across my den and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Dome. He said, Dome. I keep a journal, so I always write down what God says to me. So now I realize that I am receiving a vision from God. It's a God-given vision. Later, the Spirit of God spoke to me about what kind of dome. He told me that it was to be a monolithic dome and it should be unconventional. And then later, he said that it should seat 3,000, comfortably seat 3,000 people. And then I asked him, how are we going to pay for it? Because we had not done anything debt-free up to that point. We would get a loan and then pay off the loan and, and attempt to pay it off early. But this time he said he wanted us to not borrow. Now we have a God-given vision. And it's clear. I can share. It's clear to me about what we're doing. And it was my assignment to share with the congregation. And it was clear to them. Number one, it, we had, and you must have, <clears throat> a clear God-given vision, a clear God-given vision. The second key to how we, we did it was obedience. Obedience is so very important in fulfilling vision, whether it's your business or whether it's your church. Uh, obedience to God. And remember, I'm speaking from a biblical uh, perspective. In John chapter 2, the first miracle that Jesus performed, uh, you ought to go back and look at that, it was turning water to wine. What really, uh, where that miracle originated was in Mary. <clears throat> Uh, they were attending a wedding, Mary and uh, her family, and then Jesus and the disciples were attending a wedding, and they ran out of wine, and Mary went to Jesus about it. And then Mary said something. I think it's around the fifth verse. She said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. 
Obedience. Obedience is so important. And you're a pastor and you want to carry out your vision, then it's going to be so very important that you be obedient to God. And I mean obedient in whatever he instructs uh, you uh, to do. I'm talking about a pattern of obedience. Whatever God is saying to you about their ministry, remember it is his ministry. Whatever God is saying to you about the ministry, it's important for you to be obedience, obedient across the board, not just in building a project, but in obedience in whatever he tells you to do, a pattern of obedience. The third thing, uh, how we did it was consistent, systematic teaching of God's word in the area of biblical or divine prosperity, preparing your congregation, teaching them the word of God in this area of divine prosperity or biblical prosperity. And this may be difficult for you because many pastors struggle talking about biblical prosperity, especially financially and material prosperity. I believe that every person has five basic needs, spiritual, mental, emotional, social, that's your relationship, financial, and physical. Every person has five basic needs. And often in our churches, we'll teach about spiritual matters. And then some take it a little further. They're talking about emotional and mental things like walking in peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And then some people will take it a little further and talk about uh, social matters, uh, how to have a good marriage, parenting. And then sometimes they will talk about physical matters. Okay, how to walk in health. But what the area that many pastors struggle in, is talking about financial and material prosperity. I think that God wants his, I believe from scripture that God wants his people to prosper in all five areas, but they are not, your congregants are not going to prosper financially and materially if you don't share the word with them in this area. So I was very consistent. I was teaching systematically to the congregation on the subject of financial and material prosperity, and then you have to do it with the right motive. I never taught prosperity, talking about financial and material prosperity, uh, with the motive of raising money. I never uh, taught about raising money. My motive was so that my members would prosper that they would do well in life. So systematic, consistent, systematic teaching in uh, God's word in the area of financial and material prosperity. Now, sometimes as pastors, we have unrealistic expectations. It's unrealistic to expect financial increase and the resources to do what you intend to do in your ministry and everything costs money and you never talk about it. It's an unrealistic uh, 
expectation and your people will never prosper if you don't talk to them about financial and material prosperity that God wants them to prosper and you do it with the right motive. You're not doing it to raise money. You're doing it to raise your people, to elevate your people, to cause your members to prosper. So a clear God-given vision, number two, obedience, number three, consistent, systematic teaching of God's word in the area of prosperity. And then the fourth key is good people. We had good people, good members, people who embraced the vision, embraced me as the visionary and were willing, were willing to believe God to fulfill the vision. They were willing to believe God for finances. And under this heading of good people, I gave some instructions. I gave some instructions. Now, this part may vary in your circumstances. It may vary. My instructions may vary in your situation, but you're going to have to have good people who embrace the vision, embrace the visionary, are willing to believe God for finances. So here's the instructions that I gave the members. We're in this building project, and it was very clear. I communicated the vision uh, to the very, very best of my ability. I taught them the word of God uh, systematically, the word of God built their faith in the area of believing God for financial resources. And then I said this. Here's how we're going to do it. I want you to continue to tithe. I want all of our members to continue to tithe because tithing is the responsibility, I believe, and the privilege of Christians to tithe, whether they're in a building project or not. So I'll ask all the members to continue to tithe. Then secondly, I asked them to set a goal of giving a free will offering every month above the tithe, a free will offering every month above the tithe. So they're tithing, want you to pray and ask God for resources to give a free will offering above above the tithe. I was specific, it's a free will offering. I did not ask them to sacrifice. I don't believe in sacrifice the way a lot of ministers believe in, <coughs> believe in sacrifice. I believe that you can give and have at the same time. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight uh, said that God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And the word abound means abundance and the word abound is used twice. God is able to give toward you abounding grace grace to live, having every need met, and then he's able to give you enough grace so that you will abound, having abundance to give, abundance to live, and abundance to give. So I never taught my congregation they have to go without this in order to do this. Never taught that. I believe that God is bigger than that. So I specifically said, we do not want you, talking to the members, to bring your house note money, to bring your utility bill money. We don't want that. We want you to believe God for resources. Then I I, uh, create, I came up with the idea, and I believe it's biblical, 
We came up with the idea of gold cards, G-O-A-L, gold cards, not a pledge. It wasn't a pledge. It was a gold card. I asked each member to get two cards two gold cards. I asked them to pray and ask God what they were to give. I took that from Exodus 35, verse 4 through 19 in the building of the tabernacle. The Bible says that Moses gave a clear vision from God of building the tabernacle. He didn't tell them specifically uh, what to give, but he did tell them what was needed. You should tell your members the cost of the project. And in, on this gold card, I wanted them to go to God and pray. The Bible says after Moses spoke to the congregation, the Israelite congregation in Exodus 35, 4 through 19, verse 20 says, all the people went from the presence of Moses. Then verse 21, they came back and it says, all that stirred their hearts and all those who were willing, they brought their offerings. But notice they left the presence of Moses. In other words, they went and prayed. So that's what I asked them. I said, I want every member to get two gold, G-O-A. It's not a pledge. It's a goal card, go and pray and ask God what you should give as a free will offering above the tithe once a month. And then I said, put that amount on both the goals cards, give the church, give us one of your cards, and then you keep one of your cards because that's going to be your goal. Now, I think sometimes people don't accomplish much because they don't set goals. I wanted the I wanted my members to set a goal of what they were going uh, to believe God for. It was not a pledge. In other words, it, I wasn't asking them to pledge. I was asking them to pray and set a goal. I wanted them to give it to the church to release their faith. Now, I, I never looked at the gold cards. We never called anybody about the gold cards. I just wanted them to release their faith, and I wanted them to have a, a gold card where they can be confessing and believing God for the resources. Never call anybody because it was not a pledge. It was simply a goal. And then I asked every person, every member of my church to believe God for resources based off 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. It says that God gives seed to the sower. So I don't believe that any Christian should have an excuse for giving because the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower and bread for food. So I wanted the congregations to believe for the money that God has prepared. I believe that God has prepared in heaven resources for every believer to give. But I believe that you have to mix faith with 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, and believe for the resources. So I asked them to believe for the resources, and when the resources come in, to just give it. It was a goal where there's no vision, people perish, and they did it. The people mixed their faith with the word. Uh, in fact, uh, they gave 
it was amazing. Our kids was believing, our teenagers were believing, our adults were believing, and really, uh, out of the, the, the building, uh, cost $16 million, and out of that $16 million, only about 200000 of it came outside of our church. And for the most part, we did not get huge offerings, huge from different people. In fact, the largest offering we got from a member, a member came into some resources, and they gave $100,000 toward the bill fund. That's super, isn't it? But we that was the only super large offering that we gave, but everybody else was believing. And when we put it together, we had more than enough. I, 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 it, it is just absolutely amazing how uh, much we can accomplish if we believe God. Because see, we had never had $16 million to flow through our church before, but we were believing God. I didn't want the people to give what they can afford. Many Christians are giving what they can afford. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says he gives seed to the soil. So that tells me that God has in reserve in the spirit world in heaven money for every Christian to give. But most Christians are not believing for that money that God has already stored up. According to 2 Corinthians 19, they are giving what they can afford. I didn't want our members to give what they can afford because if they could believe God and there's no pressure, think about it. I'm not asking them to sacrifice. I'm not asking them to take their bill money, bring it to the church. I'm asking them to believe God for resources to give. And God gave them resources to give. So number four, you have to have uh, good people. Then number five, seven uh, strategies or keys to how we built a $16 million dome debt-free. Number five, consistent and diligent corporate giving. Not only is it important for your, your members to give, but the church itself, Pastor, your church has to be a giving church. And through the years, systematically, we have been a giving church. In fact, we have taken 10% of all the tithes and offerings that come in our church. We take 10% and we give it out, uh, give it, give, we give it. Uh, we, we have given, we give to benevolence. Uh, for our members and to others, we give to help others, give to missions, give to ministers, give to ministries, give to schools. Give, we've given to organizations, agencies, emergency aid. Uh, we gave to my spiritual parents. I think every pastor should give to your spiritual uh, parents. We gave to individuals. We gave to community efforts. So over the years, our church had been giving millions of dollars, millions of dollars. And, and all the way up to the present, we have given millions of dollars. So now we had seed in the ground to believe for resources. We had the seed because we had been given consistently as a church. In fact, during the building project, God spoke to me because we believe that if we're believing for something, we should help somebody else uh, doing the same thing. So I was praying about where our church should give, and God spoke to me uh, about giving $250,000 while we're in the 
building project. While we're believing for millions, God spoke to give to this ministry. They were in a project and we gave them $250 million. Now, we also completed a $26 million family activity center. We took a little different approach and it took longer. But in the in the midst of that project, before we began that project, we knew if we are building an activity center, we need to give to somebody else who's building an activity center. So we have seed in the ground, other seed in the ground, specific seed in the ground. So we found a ministry that was building an activity center and we gave a hundred thousand dollars to them. And then we were believing for the money to complete our activity center. And we done that. So consistent and diligent corporate giving. Number uh, number uh, five is consistent and diligent giving. And then number six, faith development and process. What I simply mean by that, we did not begin believing for $16 million. No, we began believing for $25,000. That's the cost of our, our first building. Our first our location cost us $25,000. So we believe for that. And then we began to believe for so much money every Sunday. We start off believing for $5,000 to come in every Sunday. And that began to grow. And then we wanted to pay off our facility that we had. And we had borrowed money. And so now we owe about $485,000. And then we believe for to pay that off. So we began to believe for the different projects and we pay it off. We believe for it, pay it off. So when it came time to believe God for the $16 million, we literally had the faith to do it. So faith development and process. And then finally, number seven, I'll close out with this. We did it through mercy, grace, and the faithfulness of God. And, and and I wish I could tell you the story about that, but I, I'll, I'll try to summarize it as I close. While we were building, before we began to build that project, I went and talked to, and told the congregation, everybody was excited, 3,000 seats, sanctuary, uh, debt-free, everybody was excited, everybody was on board. So I was talking to a contractor about how much it was cost, and the contractor said, it will probably cost around $9 million. And when he said $9 million, I'll be honest with you, I don't know whether I thought it was going to cost $75 or I don't know what I thought the bill was going to cost. But when he said 70, when he said $9 million, that literally shook me. So I came back to the church. I got in fear, came back to the church, and I told the church, and I gave them plan B, but I didn't tell them plan B. I said, now what we're going to do, we're going to build a 1,000 seat sanctuary and we're going to have three services because I knew God had said 3,000 people. And long story short, um, they were a little disappointed. My leaders were a little disappointed. I had a leadership meeting that night and they uh, actually stood up and said that they had problems with it. The Monday morning I came in after I'd given the church plan B, I came in and we talked about years ago and in my office, I pushed my voicemail and one of my members was on the voicemail 
And uh, she said to me, after I had given them Plan B, she said, and she was about 85 years old, had come to our church, loved the church, loved the word, loved me. And I could hear a voice on the voicemail. I'm at office by myself. And she said, Pastor, Pastor, I've been fasting and praying. And that church you're talking about building, that 1,000-seat church, is too small, Pastor. It's too small. And she said, God told me to tell you, don't be afraid, Pastor. He's going to pay for it. God's going to pay for it. And I was sitting in that, I was standing in that room listening to that voicemail. And that, that shook me. I mean, I realized that I had gotten in fear. I had downsized the vision that God had given me. But God was speaking through that precious lady. Uh, I heard God's voice through that precious lady. And I went back to the church and I told the church, I confessed to the church that I had gotten in fear. Uh, the 1,000-seat sanctuary was not what God said. I told them I got in fear, asked them to forgive me, and told them we're going to build the 3,000-seat sanctuary debt-free, and God did it. I mean, we had never had that much money come through our, our offerings, and God did it supernaturally. He did it supernaturally. So the seven kids... It's mercy, grace, and the faithfulness of God. I would have blew it. I would have messed up the whole thing. But God had mercy. And he, he had grace on me. And I thank God for it. And I give all the glory to him. And I just want to close by saying, whatever dream that God has put in your heart, and you've made sure that you spend enough time with God to get the vision and get the dream, God has the resources to do it. Protect yourself from fear. Prepare your people to believe for it, communicate the vision, and go for it. And I trust that maybe something was said that will encourage you, inspire you. It's so much to this, but I only had a short brief of time to share it with you. But I pray that something encouraged you, whether you're an individual or a dream, whether you're a family and you have a dream, whether you're a business and you have a dream, or you're a pastor or a minister and you have a dream, God wants your dream to come to pass. Listen, I'm out of time, and I want to thank you for taking this leadership journey with me.